Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this September. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. In this episode, Blaney Armstrong is coming on the podcast to share both of her birth stories. Her first pregnancy was an uncomplicated term pregnancy with twins. Her second pregnancy was an unmedicated VBAC. Some key things that we mentioned, of course, is a VBAC, a NICU transfer, nitrous oxide use during labor, the fetal ejection reflex, a retained placenta, and a postpartum DNC. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Blaney. Welcome to the podcast, Blaney. Thanks. So starting off, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. Um, I have lived in North Carolina most of my life, and I've got twin boys who are almost four and a five-month-old daughter. My husband and I have been married for a little over 10 years. Okay. That's awesome. Twin boys. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds adventurous and fun. Yeah. Especially at four. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's much better now. They're, they're fun at four. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. So let's start off then talking a little bit about your twins, your two twin boys and that pregnancy and that birth. So tell me about finding out you were pregnant with them. Um, so we had decided we were ready to try to have a family. And my doctor told me, you know, expect it'll take, you know, six months to a year to get pregnant. And the next month I was pregnant. Um, so it was very fast and, um, we didn't have our first OB appointment until I was like 11 weeks. Um, we went in for an ultrasound and just went to our local OB cause I'd heard good things about them. And first thing, like when I first got there, they were like, Hey, by the way, all of our midwives just left. And I was like, Oh, well, that's not great. Cause I was really hoping to have care with from a midwife. And, um, whatever I'll just see the OB and we had our little meeting and went in for the ultrasound and she was like oh there's two and I didn't like get it at first it being like two what like the front and back and finally my husband's like no Blaney two babies oh um we have twins in our family but very distantly so we hadn't even considered it as a possibility right um but surprise yes total Um, shock (laughs) yeah yeah but they were it was a pretty uncomplicated pregnancy um I did switch practices about halfway through um I was at the OB and it was sort of rotating through all the doctors and uh one of them came in and started doing her little intake and then like well into the appointment looked down at her notes and said oh there's two and I was like, I really feel like you should have known that before you walked in the door. Bye. Yes, that's important. Um, yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. So I switched to a local um, midwife um, practice and they were the only one around that took um, twin pregnancies. Mm-hmm. All the other ones wouldn't take twins, um, but they were great. Um, only complication was around 25 weeks. I started blacking out if I was on my feet too much. Mm. Um, which I went to the doctor and midwives and they checked everything and said it was just my body was working really hard 
and they were like, it's not uncommon in your third trimester, you're just hitting it a little early. Um, so it's just telling you, you need to sit down and have a snack and take a break. So yeah, that was a little annoying because I had to slow down, but, uh, it was fine. Um, their birth was, I call it the best case version of not the birth I wanted, (laughs) Um, but my water broke. I was 37 weeks and six days. Wow. That's like a record. I mean, cause as I'm hearing you talk about this with twins and you're like, yeah, you know, it was a pretty normal pregnancy, uncomplicated. I'm like, wait, but there was, and I'm not saying twins can't be uncomplicated. They for sure can be, but most of the cases you do have more complications with twins. Normally they do deliver earlier. So the fact that you carried them to term and almost even to 38 weeks, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, it was, I was really happy. Um, I'm an occupational therapy assistant and I work with feeds and Having a preemie was one of my biggest fears Yes, because I know all the things that can affect later. And so I was like, no, you guys are not allowed to come out until you're over five pounds. And uh, not like that really did anything, but they, they listened. Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, yeah. But that was one of my struggles with twin pregnancy is that most of the doctors I saw, as soon as they saw me, instantly acted like something was terribly wrong. Right. And I was like, okay, but I'm young and I'm healthy. And like, I get that we need to monitor a lot but can we not act like something's wrong unless there is something wrong? Yeah. I didn't even, you know, hearing you say that, I didn't even think about that, like kind of perspective of it from somebody who would be carrying twins, but you know, being, being a labor and delivery nurse and just working in this kind of work, it, I can totally see somebody, you know, who's carrying twins, their perspective being almost like treated like something is, is wrong. Cause you hear twins, you're like, Oh my God, like high risk automatically you're high risk. And like you said, you were young, you were healthy, but I can like, totally. I get it. Let's let's monitor. I'm all right. for the monitoring, but like, I have low blood pressure. I'm in good shape. There's nothing wrong. Let's just right. relax and act like everything is good, right. unless something isn't. Right. I agree. Um, but the midwife practice was great about that. They just sort of treated it like, yeah, this is another day. Mm-hmm. This is good. Um, so my water broke when I was 37 and six, around 3 a.m. and it was just like in the movies, it was that big pop gush. So there was no like, oh, is that my water? It was definitely my water. Um, and I called my midwife and she was like, okay, well, are you having contractions? And I wasn't really having anything serious at that point. So she's like, well, what do you want to do? I really want to go back to sleep. <laughs> like, that's fine. Go back to sleep. Um, so I just went back to sleep. Um, one weird thing, I had terrible reflux that whole pregnancy. Mm. The second my water broke, it went away. Oh, I bet. I mean, that kind of, some of that yeah. pressure probably got relieved. Yeah. That was the first time I was hungry that whole pregnancy. I was like, <laughs> and going, right, I want to go to sleep and eat a bagel. And going <sighs> into your water breaking, were you planning up until this point right now, um, were you planning a vaginal birth or were you planning a C-section? I was planning a vaginal birth. They had okay. been both head down the whole gotcha. pregnancy and everything looked good. So they were like, um, this midwife practice is also has a birthing center. They don't deliver twins at the birthing center. They okay. ask us to be in the hospital. Um, but, um, the plan was, you know, go for a vaginal birth unless vaginal birth in the hospital, something, yeah. Vaginal okay. birth in the hospital, unless something comes up. Okay. Um, so we ended up going to the hospital around 9am and really I hadn't gotten any contractions, but I was feeling anxious and the, my water was kind of greenish, which made me nervous, um, some meconium and all that. So yes. I was like, I just want to 
go in and make sure everything's good. So we got there and got checked in and they, you know, gave me an IV and all those things and did paperwork. And then they were like, let's just do an ultrasound. I would just want to see where everybody is because we can't really tell by feeling when there's so much going on. So they did an ultrasound and baby B had flipped breech, which was a bummer. So they called the OB and he came in and was like, yeah, I think you need to have a C-section, but talk to your midwives. It's not, it's not impossible to have a vaginal birth, but it, we just, there's a lot of unknown um, going into, cause baby A was still head down. They were like, we could try cause um, yes. you know, the first baby is in the right position but we don't know. So you could deliver baby A fine and baby B will just flip head down or, you know, baby A may deliver fine and then baby B could get stuck and you end up in a C-section or you may be able to deliver baby B breach or, you know, we just don't know. Yeah. It's very heavily like provider dependent when it comes to twins, I feel like, because I've seen many twin deliveries where baby A comes out head down and then baby B, we just deliver and breach. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that provides preference. But then I've worked with some providers who, you know, if baby B was already head down and then flips breach, they will not deliver that baby B breach. So yeah. it totally, totally depends. They were fine trying, but they were very honest that like, there's no right real research on where this is going to go. So it's just kind of up to me it, what we want to do. And, uh, my husband and I just felt like, well, if there's that much of a chance of having a vaginal birth and a C-section, I'd rather just have a C-section. Yeah. I'd rather just recover from one. Yes. Um, so we ended up having a C-section. Um, we were at a small hospital and I think we were the only active labor there that day. Um, so when we said, let's have a C-section, things moved really fast. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody was just like sitting around in the break room on call and we said, go. And they were all like, great, let's go. Um, so we were, I was in the OR like 30 minutes later. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was really, really fast. Like I made them wait until my mom got there. I was (laughs) like, no, don't touch me. Wait. Yes. (laughs) My mom's two minutes away. Um, but the C-section was fine. Um, I really, really liked the anesthesiologist. She was very sweet and attentive and that's good. She was super excited when she came in. She was like, yeah, guess what? You can have a spinal instead of an epidural. That means nothing to me. You're like, I don't care. (laughs) I don't know what that is, but all right, cool. Um, But the C-section was fine. It was, you know, pretty routine. I did get super nauseous after they got both babies out. Um, Mm -hmm. But the anesthesiologist did something and it went away fairly quickly. That's good. (laughs) Um, And they were very family-centered. It was like, for someone wanting a natural birth, it was as close to what I wanted as I possibly could have. Like right. I got skin to skin in the OR with oh, wow, both babies. Wow. The midwives were like helping me try and latch them like while I'm open on the table. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it was great. So I did get all of that. Um, and then we sent the babies and my husband back to the room and they finished me up and I went in there and um pretty quickly like I might have been in the room two or three minutes and then one of the midwives noticed something about the way Nathan was breathing and wasn't really liking that so um, this hospital didn't have a NICU they had a sick baby nursery so we sent him across the hall and the pediatrician evaluated him and he had fluid in his lungs which is normal for a baby whose first off water didn't break and who was breech. 
Um, but so he was there um, for about 24 hours, um, which wasn't terrible. Like once the anesthesia wore off, I could walk across the hall to see him. Right. And it was like, it was just across the hall. So it wasn't too far. Um, and like, you know, my mom and dad and husband are there and I'm like sending someone over to go give him skin to skin. And so it didn't feel that bad. Um, and about 24 hours after birth, the pediatrician came in at midnight and let us know that Nathan wasn't improving like they were hoping. And he'd called a transfer team and Nathan needed to go to a higher level NICU that had CPAP um, and like feeding tubes and stuff. So my husband like grabbed his backpack and followed the ambulance an hour away. And I was at the first hospital with Anderson. Okay. Um, that was, that was pretty brutal. Um, the worst part was the, like right before they're leaving, like they've got him all packed up in his isolate and stuff. And the very well-meaning EMT said, wait, we can't leave. We need mom to say goodbye. And that just like ripped my heart out. Aww. I was like, I can't say goodbye to my baby. Right. Um, which I was like, you should have just said like, let's let mom give him a kiss or something. Um, yeah, but, goodbye. Yeah. Just that the choice of words that, was that not wording fair. was yeah, yeah, it was bad. Um, well intentioned, I'm sure of it. But yes, it's like I, I get where you're coming from, but don't ever say that again. Um, so that was that was really rough. He Nathan stayed in the other hospital for about five days, um, which was pretty rough because I couldn't see him right away. I needed to take Anderson to the pediatrician and do all the stuff for him. Um, and my husband was in the other NICU taking care of Nathan. Um, so that was, that was rough. Uh, made me definitely not want to deliver in a hospital without a NICU again. Mm -hmm. um, like it, you know, you hope you don't need it, but if you do, it's much better if it's down the hall. Right. Um, so that was rough. About five days later, he came home that first year with them was really hard. They both had severe reflux. Mm. Um, so they basically didn't sleep until they were like eight months old. Oh, wow. um, and like, you know, you had to, we had to rig up everything in our house because anytime you lay them flat, they would reflux enough that they would like start choking. Mm. Um, so like our diaper change station was inclined. They had to sleep inclined. It was, it was the whole thing. Um, but we made it through and they're great now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, I mean that it sounds and it, it, when you said like, you know, it definitely made me not want to deliver to hospital without a NICU next time. It almost sounds like, you know, it's like you kind of gave and take like, you know, cause you, like you said, I mean, skin to skin in the OR trying to latch the baby. I mean, that's, a that's really amazing, especially yeah. for a twin C-section, but then it's like, you know, then you don't have kind of that, like that NICU. Cause it was a smaller, more like community family center type of hospital. So yeah you know, there, there totally are pros and cons to, to those smaller community hospitals like that. Yeah. I really, it was difficult because I loved the care I got from the right. midwives and their team, but I wanted that care in a hospital that had all the stuff. Right. Um, so that was, that was really tricky. Um, because that first year with the boys was so rough, um, we had pretty much decided we're, we're done no more okay. kids. Um, and COVID hit and my husband was like in line for a consult to get a vasectomy and it didn't happen. And surprise, 
another kid. Um, so she was a bit of a surprise, but very good surprise. Um, a little bit stressful. It, you know, we got pregnant right kind of in the first month of the pandemic, okay. which wouldn't have been when I would have planned to have a baby. Um, but I mean, we're thrilled with her. She, <laughs> um, I was also really, the boys are fraternal. Okay. And once you have one confirmed pregnancy of fraternal twins, your odds of having another set of twins go from about one in 70 to one in 12. Oh. And so I was, I was pretty scared that we were going to have another set of twins, um, which, like I said, I love them, but it was so rough. I didn't really want to do that again, especially yeah. with toddlers. <clears throat> um, so I went back to the same practice um, where I delivered the boys because I really liked them. But both my husband and I were like, well, but we don't want to deliver at that hospital. Right. Um, but I was like, but I mean, in a pandemic and stuff, I don't really want to go changing providers because I know them. I like them. I trust these people. Like, I just want to stay where I am. So we did that. And then about... I guess I was about 16 or 17 weeks. Um, they called and our insurance had changed and we didn't know. All, the only thing that had changed was there was a line added to our policy that they didn't cover midwives. Oh. I was like, oh, awesome. Thanks. <laughs> and this practice I had been with was super, super VBAC friendly. And then I realized I was going to have to change practices and was like, oh no, <laughs> like not everybody likes doing a VBAC and I'm going to, this may be something I have to advocate if I really want it. Right. So I did my research and hunted around and found a provider in Charlotte who their the whole practice is really VBAC friendly and their midwives bill differently. They bill it like with the OB on everything. So my insurance covered them. That's awesome. Um, but I could still have a midwife, which is what I wanted. So you were planning a VBAC with this second pregnancy. <clears throat> was there anything else that you were kind of, that you, that you wanted or were desiring? Like, were you planning for an epidural? Were you planning more on medicated? Did you hire a doula? Um, we didn't really have a solid plan until later in the pregnancy. Okay. Um, I kind of thought I might want to try and go unmedicated, but I was kind of scared of it. Um, <laughs> we did hire a doula, um, okay. which she was wonderful. Um, that had a, a few bumps on the road too, but I'll tell you about that later. Um, <laughs> but I... I just knew that like my first birth, I had wanted as natural as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and it obviously didn't really happen. And so the second time around, it's like, well, then I, I still want to go as natural as I can. Right. Um, which in North Carolina, they pretty much still require you do a VBAC in the hospital, which I was fine with. I don't, I kind of like the idea of a birthing center, but I also like the idea of an OR around the corner. So I was, I was fine with the hospital, um, but I ended up really liking this new practice. They were, they were really nice and positive and never really pressured me to go the repeat C-section route. Um, good. Yeah, they were super supportive and I really liked that. Um, even when I met with the OBs, she was really supportive and uh, encouraging. So that was, that was awesome. Um, we did hire a doula around somewhere around in our second trimester. We hired a doula and it was another pretty uncomplicated pregnancy other than, you know, doctors and pandemic and all that. Um, 
but labor started with her. I was 41 in three days. Okay. Um, and I had an appointment at like 41 in one day and I had them check me and um, they did a stretch and sweep um, or asked if they could and I was fine with that. Um, I had been binging the evidence-based birth podcast and so I felt comfortable with having a stretch at that point because um, I was already technically past my due date. And the labor started on New Year's Eve. Um, and I was like, cool, are we gonna have a December baby or a January baby? Right. Um, and it started that Thursday morning and it wasn't super intense. Like I could definitely tell these are different contractions. This, I had a lot of Braxton Hicks and I was like, this is not a Braxton Hicks, but I can still function through it. So I just, you know, kept momming and taking care of the boys and doing all the things. Um, but I let my, my um, doula know and my husband know, I was like, go to work, but you might have to come home early. I don't know. Um, and pretty much all day Thursday was just not a big deal. Um, definitely contractions, but nothing crazy. So I texted our doula that night and was like, I'm just going to take a Tylenol and try and sleep. I think I can. Um, enjoy your New Year's Eve. <laughs> and yeah, we slept through the night and that was fine. Um, woke up the next morning and contractions were definitely stronger. Um, it was definitely a change. So my mom came and took the boys and I texted our doula that like, hey, I think things are going to pick up. I might need you sometime later today. Um, and she let me know that she had actually come down with a stomach bug over the night and wasn't going to be able to come. But fortunately, she works with a whole team of doulas and um, just like, I don't know who it's going to be yet, but I'm going to find you a replacement. Hang tight. And I'm, I'm a planner and it freaked me out for a second. And then I just had this like wave of peace. And I was like, you know what? Whoever we end up with has some skill that we need for this birth that we didn't know we needed. Right. So it's going to be okay. She's got some training that's going to be just what we need. Um, so my husband ended up calling the new doula and catching her up on like everything and sending her her birth plan and doing all that stuff. And I went on a walk with my mom and just kind of hung out and, and the boys were still around, around like one, um, the contractions started getting intense enough that I didn't want to be yelled at for snacks. So I asked mom to take the boys <laughs> like, okay, this is not terrible, but enough that I want to focus and be able to just breathe. Um, and around like two-ish, we called our doula and said, hey, like, we'd like you to come and hang out. And that day was really nasty and rainy and just gross. So we, I had my husband build a fire because I wanted something I could just like stare at and zone out into. <laughs> it wasn't a TV because I just didn't want that. Um, so we all just hung out and labored in front of the fire most of the afternoon and things kind of steadily built and um, tried to, you know, keep eating and drinking and stuff like that. Um, Friday night around seven, um, Dula was letting me know that like we'd been at the 511 rule um, for about three hours. 
That's called 512, 513. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay, we, we've, we've been there for a while now. And the hospital we were going to was like 45 minutes away. So she was like, I would like us to start moving, please. Like, okay, cool. So we loaded up and went to the hospital and, you know, went through triage, got to triage and they checked me and I was 80% effaced and three centimeters. Okay. I was like, nah, not cool. Um, but my midwife was like, well, we could, they gave me the option that we can admit you if you want, but if we do, you're going to be kind of on a clock and, right. um, you know, your birth plan says you don't want a lot of interventions. So you might want to wait or go home or whatever. Now we decided to try walking the halls for an hour or so and see what happened. So we walk and I'm like doing sideways lunges up the stairs and, you know, down the hallways and all over the place. Um, and we came back an hour later and I was 90% effaced and three centimeters. Mm. Like, hmm. okay, um, this isn't moving fast. Um, so we talked to the midwife again and decided to just go home because, um, you know, we didn't, we wanted as much of a chance of natural as we could. Right. Um, and at that point, I'm just exhausted. The whole drive home, I'm falling asleep in between contractions and then waking up and hugging a pillow through the contraction and falling asleep again. Um, and we got home around midnight or something. Um, from here on out, my times are all kind of fuzzy. Um, yeah. But got home and ate some more and I tried taking Tylenol again and lay down in bed and I had six just horrible contractions laying in bed and then I passed out and you know just fell asleep um, and I think my body was just exhausted so I fell asleep and woke up around seven that morning oh wow which was awesome got a good chunk of sleep in there um, and when I woke up on Saturday contractions had kind of way slowed down mm. like they were not nearly as tense um, um it was like I had gone back to you know Friday morning right. and that was pretty hard to process um we went on a long walk with our doula and I was talking to her I was like was I imagining that like was that real labor it felt very real <laughs> um it was very intense uh, like was I crazy were we like you know new parents that just went too early and she's assured as she had been doing this forever and she's like nope that was that was real labor I don't know what's going on but uh you know for some reason your body decided to take a break and this can happen and you weren't crazy <laughs> right <laughs> which was good um pretty much all day Saturday like things stayed pretty low-key we sent our doula home and had the boys come back and hung out and I just kind of rested and like, well, something's going to happen eventually. Um, <clears throat> late that evening, I decided I was going to try pumping to see if we could get things going again. Um, and then I decided to try two really, really small doses of castor oil, um, which I know can be super controversial. Um, but I had done my research and I was comfortable with it. I only did like a teaspoon a teaspoon one hour and then I waited like an hour and 45 minutes and did another teaspoon okay. and I didn't really notice anything right away I was like okay whatever so I went to bed again tried to sleep that night I woke up at about 10 
to some really intense contractions enough that I was definitely not laying in bed through them. Um, so I got up and went to the couch and I thought about calling my husband and getting him up or calling my doula. And I really just did not want anybody around. Like, nope, I just, I don't want anybody. So I labored on the couch. I had contractions all night about eight to 10 minutes apart. And what ended up being the most comfortable was I made like a mountain of pillows and I would like lay over the pillows on my belly through the contraction and then lay down on the couch and go to sleep and then sit up and lay over the pillows and (laughs) did that kind of all night long. Yeah. And like the mantra that kept coming to me was that this contraction isn't stronger than me because it is me. Right. Um, That's good. I, I can do this. And so I just did that all night and, uh, it wasn't restful, but it wasn't the end of the world. It was doable. Right. Around 4 a.m., I was moving from, you know, laying down to my pillow mountain, and my water broke. Uh, I was like, okay, um, you know, something's happening. And it was definitely my water, but it wasn't a big gush this time. Um, it was just a, it was still a pop gush, but it wasn't like gallons. It was like a tsunami, like the first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I ended up waking up my husband while trying to find dry clothes. And he was like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, yeah, you've been asleep all night. Stop, stop freaking out. (laughs) Um, But we decided to go to the hospital around seven that morning. Um, After my water broke, contractions started getting more and more and more intense. And at that point I was just exhausted. Um, And I was like, let's, let's go. And like, I don't care what happens. I'm not leaving the hospital again without my baby. Yes. (laughs) Um, This has to happen. So we called our doula and asked her to meet us at the hospital and went in there. Um, They checked me again and I was, I was a hundred percent effaced. I think I was five centimeters. Okay. Which didn't feel like a whole lot of progress for, you know, Friday night to Sunday morning. Right. Um, But whatever. At that point I was like, I'm done get me an epidural. I just want to be done. Um, but my doula, I told her like, you know, when I start asking for an epidural, please try and distract me because I would rather not have one. Um, so she's like, okay, well let's try the tub first. So I got in the tub and this hospital had like these huge tubs with jets and, um, Mm. it was amazing. It felt incredible. Um, because I was a VBAC, I did have to have continuous monitoring. Um, but it was wireless and all I, I couldn't submerge like the very tiny tip of my belly, but everything else was fine. So I was like, whatever, I'm getting in the tub. And that was amazing. It was so helpful. I probably stayed in that tub for two or three hours. I don't know. At that point in time, I had checked out. Yes. Um, I just know that I kept asking my husband and midwife to refill the water and like make it warm again. And it felt like I asked him to do that every 10 minutes, but it was probably more like every half an hour or so. Mm -hmm. Um, After a while, the water wasn't really helping me manage it anymore. Um, So again, I'm like, get me out of here. I want an epidural. And my dual again was like, well, how about we get checked first and see where you are? Because she later told me, she was like, I have a feeling you're really close. So let's just check. Um, and then I was eight centimeters and had a bulging bag of water. Okay. Um, so I guess like part of my water had broken, but not all of it. 
Yeah. You can have like, we either call it like a four bag where, you know, it kind of almost like reseals up and there is still another part to break, or you could have had a high leak where it kind of broke at the top, but as baby, you know, as you contracted and baby came down and stuff, it kind of, again, like reseals. And so sometimes there can be like another little membrane there to. Yeah. Um, so my midwife asked if I wanted to break my water and I was like, well, will it make it go faster? <laughs> she was like, yes, it will. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's do that. Um, but I was still just, I was not managing the pain well at that point. So, um, I don't remember who mentioned it, but someone suggested I try nitrous oxide. Oh yeah. Um, so I was like, sure, whatever, give it to me. Um, and I liked the idea that if I didn't like it, I could take a couple of breaths and it would be clear out of my system. Um, so I tried that and it does not make the pain go away. Um, but it did make me care less about the pain. And it, like, I remember holding onto the mask and thinking like, I don't know if this is doing anything, but I'm going to tell myself it is doing something. Mind over matter. So that I have something that I can say, oh, this is going to make it better. Um, so I use the nitrous oxide. I find with nitrous oxide, people, you know, either love it or they hate it. Like it, it either does good with their body or it does not. And, and I'm sure they warned you the biggest side effect that we see and why I, I feel like most of the patients who I try it with do not like it is it makes them so, so, so nauseous. Yeah, so I don't know if did. you experienced that, but I didn't, she warned good. me, she was like, you could feel super nauseous, but fortunately it clears out of your system quickly. So it right. shouldn't last super long. Yes. Um, I didn't have any nausea from it. Um, I mean, it obviously made me super dizzy, but again, I just take a couple of breaths in between contractions and it cleared pretty quickly. Um, so she, midwife suggested I try that for a couple of minutes to see how it was going to work before she broke my water. Um, just in case I decided I didn't like it or whatever. Um, so she broke my water, which was surprisingly painful. Um, so I'd had, you know, my water had broken before and it didn't hurt at all. And then she didn't. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> that was not fun. Um, and I did the nitrous oxide for, I don't know, on and off for like an hour or so. Um, yeah. you know, I just put the mask on during the contraction and then take it off and breathe the room air. Um, and at that point I was in the hospital bed, um, had it kind of like the top inclined and I was either laying on my side or like hands and elbows on the top of the bed kind of position. Um, after a while, the fetal ejection reflex hit and it was like my body just started pushing. And I remember the nurse coming over and being like, wait, are you pushing? And I was <laughs> like, well, like I'm not, but my body is. Um, and the midwife came and checked me again and I was nine and a half centimeters awesome. and she's like, go ahead and push if you want to that yeah. last little bit will melt away in a second. Um, and I was like, well, that's good. Cause I have no control over this. Like, this is a reflex. I couldn't turn it off if I wanted to. Right. So glad you're okay with me pushing. Um, and that was pretty intense. Um, it, it was it was extremely painful at that point. Um, but um, I pretty much just let the fetal ejection reflex do its thing. And I didn't really like try and push. Um, once I hit the ring of fire, I was, I was terrified that I was going to tear. And I was like, didn't want to push. 
but then I realized that the only way where I was going to get this to go away was to get this baby out. Yes. So I went ahead and I only like really tried to push about three times mm-hmm. and um, she was born very quickly. Like she crowned and then just sort of shot out in a gush of water. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. She had a nuchal hand. So she had her hand on her face and had her cord wrapped twice around her head. So it was like tying her hand to her face. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so she couldn't have moved her hand if she wanted to. Um, which turns out my doula later talked to me and was like, I think that's why your labor started and then stopped. Um, because she wasn't, you know, sitting in your pelvis quite the way she was supposed right. to, because that nuchal hand was in the way which felt good that there was a reason why we had that whole weird Saturday of nothing. Yes. Um, it almost sounds like, you know, your body took, your body took its good time. And like those first, you know, that first stage of labor, it was like, Oh, I'm going to start. I'm going to stop it. Like, you know, it was unsure, but once, once your body committed and your water broke, it sounds like it was just kind of, you know, it's pretty steady sailing from there. Yeah. Yeah. Things move pretty quickly. So she was born at, like 12, 30 something. Okay. Um, she was eight pounds exactly and 21 inches long. So mm-hmm. not a tiny baby. Felt giant compared to the boys. Oh, yes. Um, like, whoa, this baby's huge. <laughs> um, You're like, this is a toddler. I just birthed a toddler. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, my midwife, after she came out and they handed her right to me, she was, my midwife turned on her serious medical voice. Um, and was like, I know you didn't want Pitocin, but you are bleeding a lot. I really want to give you some Pitocin. Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Um, so I got Pitocin and then she asked if she could help me kind of hurry up and deliver the placenta, um, because of the large amount of bleeding. Um, yeah, sure. So I've heard horror stories about that, but it was not bad. She pulled on the cord a little bit and the nurse massaged my belly and it was out in a second. It was like, it was not a big deal. Um, I had a third degree tear, so they called the OB to come in and stitch me up. And that was probably after birth, the most annoying thing, just cause I meant sitting on the, you know, birthing bed in this freezing delivery room for, took her almost a half an hour to stitch it up. Right. So that was a little tedious. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Um, and you know, that whole time I'm getting skin to skin and really anything compared to labor was not a big deal. (laughs) I didn't care. You were just glad that you, you know, you made it through, you had your baby and that's all that mattered. Yeah. I was just like, cool. I'm done with that. Anything else is, is nothing. And we just kind of hung out. We stayed in the hospital for about 24 hours. Recovery was very different than having my C-section. Like I remember after my C-section, they wanted me to get up and take a shower after a while. And it was like all I could do to stay standing in the shower. And I'm just standing there shaking and like feeling like, oh my gosh, what just happened to my body? Um, and my husband like got in the shower with me and cleaned me off. And this time I got up to take a shower and my husband was like, well, I'll be right here with you. And I was like, okay. But I mean, like, I don't actually need you. I'm fine. Like, yeah. I'm weak and a little shaky, but I can stand. I can do this. Like, I'm okay. 
so we went home about 24 hours later and you know breastfeeding had a few bumps but I'd breastfed the boys and they'd had every possible complication so at this point I was like I've seen this before (laughs) Um, and then about two weeks almost exactly two weeks after I gave birth um, I got up from the living room to go to the bathroom and had this huge gush of blood like overflowed my diaper um, before I could make it to the bathroom Um, and it was black and smelled horrible Um, I was like this does not seem normal no Um, but my mom was out of town and she was the only one who could keep the boys for us Mm. so I'm like well I'm not gonna call the triage line because they're gonna tell me to come to the hospital and I can't really do that right this second because I don't know that I can drive myself all the way into Charlotte by myself and my husband would have to stay with the boys I'm like I can't do that so I just called and left a message and they called me back Monday and I was still having bad smelling gushes of blood they called me back and were like, yeah, that's not normal. Um, you should come in for an ultrasound. So they got me scheduled on Tuesday. I came in for an ultrasound. An ultrasound, you know, it was an internal ultrasound. Two weeks after giving birth with a third degree tear, it was probably the most painful thing I've been through in my whole life. Oh, wow. Like I would give birth again before I did that again. Wow. They found a little piece of retained placenta, um, which like they'd examined my placenta after I gave birth and it looked fine. Um, but I guess there was a little, the doctor showed me, it was like the size of a quarter and it was stuck to my scar tissue for my C-section, um, which she told me that there's, you know, it's a small risk, but there's a little bit of a risk that that can happen anytime there's scar tissue in the uterus. So they had to do a DNC. She, she talked to me about medications, but she's like, because you're already having kind of scary bleeding I don't really want to send you home with meds and risk that happening at home so um I'd really be more comfortable with the DNC and at that point I was like whatever just fix it um so we had to go that Thursday I went in for a DNC um the worst part about that was that they would not let my baby pass the front door because of COVID restrictions which really didn't make sense because everybody else got to bring a you know companion with them into pre-op and stuff and like my baby does not have COVID Um, and you know even in the waiting room there were there were separate rooms off of the waiting room where we could have hung out and been no risk to us or anyone else Um, and all the staff at the hospital was super nice and apologetic and like understood how miserable it was because you know I've got a two-week-old breastfeeding baby who doesn't take a bottle right and you're telling me no go have surgery by yourself see ya um so my husband ended up keeping the baby and wandering around Target while I was at the hospital um and then trying to give her a bottle in the car which she was not keen on but the surgery went fine and like later that afternoon got up and was like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize how bad I felt until I didn't feel that way anymore. Right. Um, and the doctor told me there was, there was a pretty significant infection at that point. Oh. Um, so they cleaned out everything and put me on antibiotics. And 
I felt just worlds better after that, not really bleeding nearly as much anymore and not living with this gross infection. Um, so after that, things went pretty smoothly for recovery. That was just our little new bump. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I've had twins. I breastfed twins. I've seen everything. And yeah. then it's like, well, there's one thing actually yeah. that you haven't seen. Yeah. I'm going to do this too. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, part of me was a little, was pretty frustrated because I really wanted to do a VBAC because I was like, but recovery will be so much better than my C-section was. And then all of this happened. Like, yeah. Well, wasn't awesome. Yeah. And I mean, as much as honestly, though, even, even with this stuff happening, it does sound like you kind of had still like the best case scenario, you know, you know, with I the did. retained placenta and the effect infection, those can for sure be like more severe where you're like, I had a DNC and I felt so much better after. So it's, it's great yeah. that you were able to like, kind of catch these things decently early enough to where like, you know, a, an intervention, a little DNC was, and I don't want to say a little DNC, but like a DNC, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a good fix. Yes, it was. It was. It, they took care of it pretty quickly. And, yes, that's um, great. I did feel much better afterwards and didn't have any other complications. Um, it took a long time for my tear to heal. Um, and some of that was a little funky, but it all sorted itself out. And this time I was much more prepared. Like I already knew I wanted to do pelvic floor PT afterwards and, you know, just much more prepared for postpartum. Um, but yeah, it definitely went smoother this time. And, you know, she's five months old now and she's great. She sleeps really well for a baby. Yeah. It's like a whole new world to me. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been awesome. And she just, you know, the boys had reflux and were, they pretty much screamed all the time because they were either hungry or hurting because they'd just eaten. Um, and she doesn't have anything like that. So she's just happy and chill. And mm-hmm. like when she cries, there's something wrong. You can right. change her or feed her or put her down and then she's happy again. <laughs> I love that with babies and they're upset. It's like, you know, just sometimes they just want to be held, rocked, swaddled. You change them, you feed them, or you get them to sleep. And like, it's just, you know, try one of those four things and normally you can solve the issue. Yeah. Okay, we're good. that was not the case with the boys so it's just like wow this is wonderful (laughs) a baby that can actually be consoled yes yeah and I always say you know c-section healing and and a vat and a vaginal birth healing like it's not to say that one is like so much easier or better or anything like that they're just very different they're very different and 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 for some people maybe one is easier than the other you know but it definitely, it's just, it's just different types of healing. And it's always cool to hear like a VBAC experience because you kind of get to see both of those sides from somebody who experienced them both. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely tell like my overall like activity level, I could get back to a little quicker this time. Right. Um, just because my ab muscles were still intact, right. They stretched, but they were intact. Um, so that was, that was nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing both of your birth stories. I loved hearing them and just kind of getting taken along on those journeys with you. Do you have a top bit of advice for new moms? Get help support. Um, yes. That was probably the 
biggest change was the second time I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do it all. So I, you know, I had meals prepped and I already had my counselor and I knew a lactation consultant already and like get all of that help lined up before you give birth. Right. Because when you're hormonal and sleep deprived is not the time to add. And now you need to find a postpartum counselor. Right. And, um, you know, I had pretty rough postpartum depression with the boys. And um, so, you know, I told my midwives about it and they were prepared to help me deal with it. And fortunately I didn't have it with Chloe again, but, you know, I had a counselor, I had attentive healthcare people that were ready to, you know, help me with it. If it did come, my husband was aware of it and ready to help me again. Um, so yeah, just get your support lined up beforehand. Yes. Yes. Don't I love think, that. you know, don't plan on, Oh, I won't need a lactation consultant. Like go ahead and have a prenatal appointment. You'll right. thank yourself. Right. Good. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that we can spend so much time just thinking about birth and planning a birth and then forget about, you know, the months postpartum where you really do need to do a ton of preparation. So yeah. I always think that that is just such a good piece of advice to, to plan for that as much as you plan for birth, plan even more for that postpartum period. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, Blaney, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing both of your birth stories with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.